so you know who is responsible for our own life really to me that's what he's saying and he's also saying how can you have a good life is to have something that has meaning has purpose so like it's just it's it's like a reminder to me of you know why do i do what i do Welcome to The Book That Changed Me, a podcast about the power of books. In this episode, we meet health and life coach Nancy Yang Timmons and hear how a 50-year-old story about a bird inspired her on a journey as the world opened up after COVID. Why don't we begin by telling me your name and a little bit about yourself? Well, my name is Nancy Yang Timmons. I am a holistic health and fitness coach, and uh, I'm also a mother of two. My son just uh, went off to university. He's not even 18 yet, but he just started first year university. He will be 18 soon, though. And my daughter actually just started high school. So this is a really huge transition (laughs) year Mm -hmm. for us. I am a co-author of a book uh, mm-hmm. t- uh, called Total Health for Transformation, and uh, it's coming out in December. I, I, I'm doing courses, coaching, and uh, yeah, Maybe so, but I'm happy. Yeah, great. Well, that's the most important thing. So why don't you tell me then about the book that changed you? What's the title of it? It's called Jonathan Livingston Siegel. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a, a great book. If I want to say it's life-changing, I would just say it's such a good reference book for whenever, you know, you know, if there's something that I'm not quite sure, you know, how to explain to my clients, perhaps, or just something that I'm like, okay, I, c- I can look back here. And that saying, I can just kind of, you know, digest again and read it over and over because every time you're just going to get like a different stat- uh, understanding from this. So you're reading this right now. I mean, you're, you're working with it right now. So when did you first pick it up? It was before I went to Jordan in May. I, I, I read it on my flight. Wow. Okay. Well, that's great. So you, I know it's a short book. I, I read it. I, I, I don't know how much to confess about this in terms of my age, <laughs> but I read it when it first came out in the early 70s. It, it was okay. huge then. I remember mm-hmm. my parents reading it. I remember all my parents' friends like sweeping through, you know, all the adults that I knew. And then I read it as well. So mm-hmm. it's amazing that it's, it's made, it's, making something of a comeback now. So why don't you, if you can, just tell us a little bit about what the story is about for those who haven't read read the book. Okay, so Jonathan Livingston Seagull, um, just by the name, he's a seagull. And the entire book is actually about the life of the seagull. And, uh, and he was always one who wanted to try to fly faster or learn how to do different lubes in the air and just want to try new ways of flying, I guess you can say, compared to his um, fellow seagulls who were there more for survival, just wanting to get food, fighting over food, fighting who's going to be the dominant one. But he realized one day flying was fun. Flying was he can continue to learn more things. He can go further. He doesn't have to just to fight with others over little pecks of you know fish crumb or whatever it is. And so, yeah, so it it went from there, from how he was outcasted to finding his own tribe in a way that may not be where he was 
originally. You say you were going to Jordan. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what what you were there and what you were maybe anticipating when you first started reading Jonathan Livingston Seagull on the plane? It was actually my first time traveling alone in right. probably more than 20 years, wow. you know, without my yeah. family. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, when I was young, yes, I traveled on my own. But this is, this is I'm going to call it, it was my solo uh, like yeah. S-O-U-L, solo yeah. trip. Yeah. And uh, so it was it was uh, very interesting because I was like, oh, I should bring a book. I should like keep myself occupied or something. Right. But because I was traveling alone, it was like, oh, I didn't have anyone to worry about. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, didn't, I didn't have to get up when I, you know, when I didn't want to or I, I just could do everything on my own. So it was, um, you know, got to sit there alone, which is right totally fine but I got to observe observe people and then just do things that call to me that I felt like doing right um I have this idea that the books that change us are, are like there's this kind of serendipity where you find the right book at exactly the right time mm. right and something kind of resonates with you maybe something's already moving inside you and this kind of just gets that going or maybe it gives you kind of a kick in the pants right that you needed to kind of to, to think the, the things that to walk through the door that it opened up. So I really am interested in the context too. Okay. So you, you were going to a conference, weren't you in Jordan? What was that? Yeah, called? it was, it was a fest um, that okay. was hosted by Mind Valley. Um, right. They do these, uh, the, the a fest in like different exotic places of the world. And, you know, when they first made the announcement saying that it was going to be in Jordan to me, it was just like I had always wanted to go to the Middle East, and right. I never <laughs> been right. able to go. So it sounds like, it, like it, to put it in context, it was just a really exciting time for you. Yeah, so, and it was it was because you know when we had all been trapped by the pandemic at home right. for so long, it was also intimidating a little in, in a way. So when you're alone, you're actually more open mm -hmm. to things, you know. I and, think so. Yeah. I, 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 and then, then, you know, back to the book, Jonathan Livingston, mm -hmm. uh, Livingston Seagull, it was kind of like he felt he was alone, too, for the longest time. Right. And he was doing his own thing. But then it was like, oh, the time that he encountered others who who were doing the same thing as he was, he was just like, oh, my gosh, you know, like the world opened, you know, I'm not alone. Yeah. So I think in a way that was that was the feeling. So the, like a little bit of identification there. People listening obviously won't know this, but you held up the book and you showed me it's, you've got these, there must be 10, 12, 15. 20 maybe. 20 <laughs> post-it notes, yeah. really tabs that you've got in there marking different pages. So mm -hmm. what's that? What's that about? How are you using the book right now? I yeah. highlight a lot of words that resonate with me. Um, or that I think may be applicable to things that I'm doing or whatever. So um, I don't mind reading. Is that okay if I can yeah, read go for like it. a yeah, passage? Sure. sure. Um, okay. So this is this is actually the the day when he was going to be uh, cast out, you know, expelled, so to speak, <laughs> uh, out of the the flock. Um, he's saying, "Who is more responsible than a?" a gull, seagull, who finds and follows a meaning, a higher purpose for life. For a thousand years, we have scrabbled after fish heads, but now we have a reason to live, to learn, to discover, 
to be free. So, you know, who is responsible for our own life, really, to me? That's what he's saying. And he's also saying, how can you have a good life? It's to have something that has meaning, has purpose. So, like, it's just, it's it's like a reminder to me of, you know, why do I do what I do? So it's not like you picked up this book and you thought, I need to have a purpose. It was like, it was, how was it? Sort of reinforced what was already there? Yes. Yes. Okay. It was, yeah. So if I, you know, this is obviously a gross simplification, but if I can think of you in three ways, like you're the individual person, but you're also a mom, right? And then Mm -hmm. you also do coaching as well. Mm -hmm. Are you going back to this book for all three things? Like, are there, is there sort of inspiration in being a parent here? Are you sharing any of these ideas with your kids? Like, does it inspire you to want to do that? Um, well, I, I think, um, I don't know if it inspires me. It's like I said, to me, it's like a reference book, like a guidebook to life to me, right. this book. Right. And so, because I was actually already doing that with my, my kids quite right. a bit, because I always, I, I'm not a, you know, it, it maybe, uh, I don't know if it's believable, believable coming from a mom myself to say that I'm not a helicopter parent, but I'm not. Yeah, yeah. And we always just encourage our kids to do and explore because we're here to support and just right. to guide. Right. They do not have to do what we think would be right, perhaps, right. or wrong. Right. Um, they have to discover things, their own path on their own. And we have way better relationships now, post-pandemic, even wow. during than you know before and it was good it was good but it was now we're all on our own path we have to especially now i mean my kids are older right high school and and university so they can start to discover more they need you know less care from me in a way when do you find yourself going back to it what kind of situation before before the podcast i was like oh i should go back and see what i highlighted (laughs) and um in what situation i think Generally, it's when I feel not lost, but just to reaffirm my belief, I guess, to reaffirm that the path that I've taken is, I don't want to call it the right one, because every path we take, it's going to lead us somewhere that we would discover whether something works for us or doesn't. But just to help me to have that emotional fortitude right just to continue on to have that resilience to say that someone else went through the same thing or was going through the same thing or is going through the same thing as me because I'm sure like you said this was a popular book it resonated with a lot of people so I'm not alone in what I'm doing I I have to look this up but I think it's one of the best-selling books of all time like I think it's it's huge and it was huge back in the 70s and there's a resurgence of it now. Mm-hmm. So why do you think it resonates with so many people? I think deep down, all of us want to leave some kind of mark in our lifetime. But I, I don't mean like anything like, you know, being a Gandhi or Mother Teresa, that sort of marks, but like, you know, at least do something that would be beneficial for our offspring or for our next generation. Even if you don't have kids, you know, you may know people who are younger than you and to leave the world a better place than when we first arrived. You know, people always talk about successful people and I don't want to use the word success because success is a different definition to every person. But 
people who we perceive to be successful. To me, though, these days is not actually about money or wealth or whatever they own. The material possession is how much they've contributed to the world or to their community or even their own family. So back to the book, he left the flock that pushed him away, but he actually returned. That's not the end of the story, but he returned to help the flock to get people to um, get to the level that he had achieved, mm -hmm. you know? And so it's, it's just about love. It's about loving and being loved by others. That's, that's what I'm, and that's probably like the best way to live our life. That's great. And, you know, one thing I'd like to ask is, is would you read it again? But it sounds like you're already reading it again. Right? <laughs> I've read it many times. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So last question. If you met the author, what would you say to him? Or what would you ask? Well, I, at the end of the book, he kind of talked about how this was um, put away for a long time <laughs> before he published it. And uh, I really, I really want to know the before, how he came, because it doesn't explain a lot, um, how he came to have this idea of using Siegel as a, um, the, one, the main protagonist, I guess, and, and to, you know, having the courage enough or because someone you know, prompted him and go, oh, I found this, right? <laughs> that, that's been in this, in the attic or whatever for a long time. Why did you not publish it? I want to know his journey, actually. Like, how did he start this? And how did he feel after it was actually published? You, you know, one thing I can remember when it first came out, and it, it's maybe a little bit of what you were saying at the very beginning, it, it seems like such an unusual premise for a book. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sure, it, it, I bet lots of people told him this will never, never take off, you know, <laughs> and look what happened. It was massive yeah. success. This is wonderful. And thank you so much no, for inviting me. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's been a pleasure. And that's episode three of The Book That Changed Me. Special thanks to Nancy Yang Timmons. You can read more about Nancy in the show notes to this episode. If you've got a story about a book that changed you, we'd love to hear from you. I'm Dan D'Agostino. Thanks for listening, and until we meet again, happy reading.